Welcome to Still She Rises, an initiative of the Ubuntu Love Challenge. Thank you, Zainab Salvi, for joining us today. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's a pleasure. You are a humanitarian women's rights advocate, political commentator, a writer, a public speaker, and an overall just incredible human with an incredible story. Very sweet. You have a passion for telling untold stories and understanding that there's power in that. So today, as part of Still She Rises, we welcome and invite you to share your story as we weave together the stories of women across the world. And this is the story of our rise. Wonderful. Wonderful. What a pleasure to be in um, the company of like-hearted and like-minded women um, who are not only rising, but supporting um, other women's rise in all ways possible. And what a pleasure to be part of this effort. How beautiful. The pleasure is, is indeed an honor as well. Thank you. I will ask you a first question, and I always start like this with all the women we've been speaking with, and I'll ask you this question repeated 10 times. I will not react or emote in any way or interrupt in between and only ask that you start your answer with I am. So the question is, Zainab, who are you? I am someone who is in love with the divine. Who are you? I am dedicated to truth, telling the truth, living the truth, being the truth. Who are you? I stand against injustice uh, of all those who are marginalized and do not, um, whose voices are not heard. Who are you? I stand for equality of all people, of all voices, of all genders and sexes. I invite you to use the phrase I am. I am. Uh, should I repeat this last one? Mm, no, okay. Um, I am for reconciliation and dialogue in a time of division and upheaval. Who are you? I am a humanitarian who has dedicated her life to be in service to women. Who are you? I am a storyteller who um, believe in, we have to hear other people's stories fully, generously, without judgment, even if we do not agree with them. I am, I, be, I am an advocate for Mother Earth. We have abused her and we take her for granted. And I'm an advocate that we all have to do all what we can to give her a break so she can nourish herself again. Who are you? I am breath. I am breath. To quote 
uh, Rumi's poem, I'm a Muslim, I'm a Christian, I'm Jewish, I'm Baha'i, I'm Buddhist, I am all of it. I am but breath. I believe in our unity and I believe we are all one under the divine. And the last time, who are you? I am nothing and I am everything. In my nothingness, I'm all, and in my all, I am nothing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And in your I like this exercise. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so <laughs> glad. And in your nothingness, in your breath, in all that you are, what was that pivotal moment on this journey of becoming? Well, different aspects of our lives shapes us, of course. You know, so in my life, there were few chapters. The first chapter was shaped by a childhood grounded on love. You know, um, I think when parents try their best to be good parents, especially these days in COVID period, you know, my theory about good parenting is the best thing you can do um, to, for your kids is to give them love. All else comes and goes. Today, you cannot send them to school. Sometimes you can't feed them. Sometimes you cannot protect them, but you can give them love. And if that's the foundation of love, then all else can be manageable. Um, the second aspect, but that love was my foundation and I'm grateful for it. Um, but then I also had a, um, a childhood defined by war. I grew up in Iraq and I um, uh, grew up uh, with, in, in war, in the Iraq-Iran war. And it's interesting, I'm noticing I had not answered in who I am about my nationality or identity. It's so interesting. It's not, uh, I, I guess that's revealing <laughs> um, about myself. Uh, um, but I grew up in war and, and um, shaping, uh, seeing war as a child really shaped my perspective in life and, and, and made me understand at a very young age that while everyone discusses war from a man's perspective, as in terms of the weapon and the army and the soldiers and yada, 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 no one is discussing war from a woman's perspective and women keep the backline discussion of war while men are leading the frontline discussion of war. As in women keep life going in the midst of war, um, from schools to food to medicine to everything. And our voices and our contributions are very much dismissed, continue to be dismissed. Um, but that shaped who I is, how I saw the world. I also grew up very close to a dictator, Saddam Hussein, and that meant a lot of my life uh, was defined by fear, um, uh, fear of saying anything wrong, fear of uh, punishments, fear of judgment, fear of everything. But fear was an air that I breathed for a good decade of my life, if not more. And then I am someone who then, and, and then my circumstances also was defined by an arranged marriage that my parents set up for me to leave Iraq and come to America. Um, and that too have defined um, 
um, my reaction and, 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 and my re uh, resilience to the world, right? Because the marriage was abusive, um, sexually abusive, and I ended up escaping um, with $400 in my hands uh, in America in and in a strange time when my country was uh, in war with, the, with America. And so these things defined, um, they did not, you know, for the longest time they defined me. Here's the thing. For the longest time, they are like cuts on my body, and these cuts uh, defined, um, or my soul rather, and these cuts uh, healing them became my drive, right? And as a result of all of that, uh, tr of these trials, um, I decided I will stand up on my feet, I will build my life from zero. I will help all women now that I live in America and I have the chance to speak freely without fear. I must take advantage of that freedom and I have to speak up uh, for all women who are, whose voices are not heard. And as a result, I created a major women's organization called Women for Women International. Um, I started as a mom and pop at the age of 23, three years only after I arrived to America. Um, it started from helping 30 women and now it's, uh, has reached directly 460,000 women and raised $146 million to them. And so all of that um, happened, right? It defined, uh, but they were all reactions to the injustice that I have faced um, growing up. And again, I'm noticing, I did not say I am an author or a, or, or a woman. It's so interesting how I'm defining myself. It's a good exercise. Thank you so much. I'm going to practice it, you know. Um, and um, so it's, it, these things define me. And it's a charge of the injustice and all of these things. And I went forward with it until, until a time. Um, and then, by the way, as you mentioned, I then... Uh, left uh, my humanitarian work and I moved to the journalism work and it, I became dedicated to telling stories of women and marginalized women um, from all over the world and was one of the first to break many stories, whether it is Nadia Murad's interview a uh, few weeks after she escaped from ISIS, whether it is um, different narratives from different women around the world, basically. Um, how what Buddhist nuns are going through and the discrimination they face, all kinds of stories about women. And then, and then, um, last year I uh, got very sick and overnight I moved from being the top of my mountain to the hospital room, to the operating room, and to the intensive care unit. And, um, and that is, I think, what led me to I Am Breath. Um, because in truth is, I moved from this being this accomplished woman um, with my, you know, with my uh, good share of successes and, and contributions to the world to a very vulnerable place in the hospital grabbing from my breath, grabbing from my breath. And what I realized in that moment and the months that pursued, I only recovered um, about a few months ago. Um, I'm knocking on the wood here, you know. Um, the, you know, it's so interesting because all of these accomplishments, all these external accomplishments, and in my case, they are for good, right? They are in service of others. That is who I am in this world. I am ultimately someone who is dedicated to being in service, right? 
but on the deathbed when when the line is very thin between life and death what i realized that the conversation is not what you have done in the world is have you connected to your heart and have you spoken to your heart and the conversation is not even how much family and friends you have around you showing you love but it's again this very intimate conversation between me and my heart and and that is when my perspective changed you know because the who am i the humanitarian the women's rights advocate the author the media personality the da 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 they are driven meanings that are driven from my external accomplishments and to be honest um a year later who am i became in relationship to my heart to that conversation to god for me personally um and i don't have any um attack like any uh, rigid definition of what god is but to the divine um to nature because these these three that i just mentioned my heart god and nature were pivotal force in healing me and so you know then i became breath and then i became nothing and when you're because when your meaning is not derived by external accomplishment by by very internal things there's a moment in which i thought i'm nothing um and who am i um so you're asking question that i spent a lot of last year walking and asking who am i and i was very scared because when you lose you know a lot of people these days are afraid of losing their jobs and losing 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 all the things that we um got um acquainted with before covid right and i lost all that's the truth is i lost all and you know it's very scary and then one day i let go i just said there's no point of being attached to these concepts if they are not there and in the moment of letting go and you surrender to the nothingness you become everything you become everything there's no your ego sort of becomes um spread rather than one entity um and that's how i came to this conclusion that yes i will continue to be in service to humanity that's my purpose in life i think that's how i was you know uh, wired but also my definition of who am i is an intimate one between me and my heart and between me and god I can feel the depth of time you've taken to be with knowing yourself, knowing what matters and the relationships that you want to build and how this shapes and continues to guide you on this journey and tandem with the divine, I feel is what I'm hearing you say. You had $400 in your pocket you're far away from home, a victim of abuse, coming from a country that was going through incredible difficulties. Fast forward all these years, and now you've meant you've shared with us going through health um, challenges. Tell us a little bit about the fears that you faced, the ones you've conquered, the ones that perhaps are still lingering the ones that 
will always be your friend or not. Share a little bit your journey and your story with fear. I mean, of course, there is um, fear. Um, a lot of people uh, describe me as a courageous woman, and um, I have come to understand my courage. But when people say, oh, you're so courageous, and they describe I'm courageous is because I am usually the person who speaks up in the meeting room about something, you know, and everyone is polite and silence and they just say it in their head, but they don't say it. I'm usually the one who just blurts it out. I am usually who I, you know, in war zones um, for the longest time, I would go to the front lines and not be afraid of militias or soldiers or ISIS or whatever and just go. Um, I am someone who, when I see injustice in the street, I will just go and walk to it and speak it, right? So a lot of people say, wow, you're courageous. I am someone who, when I was unhappy in a marriage or in a position, I leave, I walk out. It's like, nope, I'm unhappy. I, you know, I need to walk out. And these are acts where people say it's courageous because then you leave um, the securities that you have or the stability and then you just go. Um, but here's what I have to say, and it takes me back to your question on fear. This, these courageous acts um, is not due to lack of fear. It is despite of fear. And, and partially I came to that conclusion is because um, I lived in fear for 35 years of my life right? And my fear was a secret that I had, that um, my family knew Saddam Hussein, one of the worst dictators of modern time, and I called him uncle. And um, that's my fear. That's it's just the dark secret of the family. And you know, we were not supposed to talk about the details of that relationship or what happens or who and what and all of these things. And, but it, it becomes fear and, and he's a scary guy also. I mean, I knew him as person, but obviously he is a dictator, right? And at one point I had realized that the choice is mine. Do I continue to live in fear? And it will destroy me from within. Or do I take a leap of faith and jump off the cliff in telling the truth and walking and, and, and doing what I want to do? And that's also scary. That is also scary, jumping off the cliff and losing the stability of it, of what you know, of the familiar. But at least I have a chance to be free of my fear. And, you know, coming from my part of the world, we are afraid of gossip and uh, honor and shame and society and all of that. So the pressure, and in my case, literally death and life situation, literally. And here's what I realize as a result. And, and so that's why you see me doing the opposite of fear. It's not because I don't have it, but I realize fear can be um, the we in fear we are the prisoner and the prison guard that keeps the prisoner in the guard in the in the in the cell, and that's what I was doing with my fear. I it's it sort of controlled me, and so 
then I, you know, have a choice of either stay in that and it's familiar and safe or take a leap of faith and move out. And when I took a leap of faith and walked out of my fear, all the things that I feared did not happen, did not happen. And so, or they were exaggerated in my head or they took a different turn or sometimes it did happen, but so what? I made it, right? So the process is, it's not that I don't have fears. Of course I do, sometimes a lot, but I also have trust in life, trust. And frankly, trust in myself that I am, um, that as long as I live in accordance to my value, I may be going through hard times at times, and I shall. But I believe if I live in accordance to my value, um, I will be okay. Because I also lived in a time in which I was in fear and thus compromised my values because I am in fear. And that killed me. And I rather physically die than emotionally die um, and live in the stability of fear, basically. I rather take that risk. And so thus, thus is I'm not only committed to the truth after that, after I, and I, the turning point was me writing my memoir. Um, and, and it released me when telling the truth, it released me and it moved from a, a dark stone in the middle of my chest to a crystal basically that is transparent and it made me believer in the possibilities of healing and it made me a believer in the possibilities of freedom and in truth and i say that to a lot of women because i think um, a lot of women we um not all of course but we sort of are taught to stay in our unstable bad situations whether it is a bad marriage bad relationship bad job whatever because rather than take the risk of walking out and, and find our freedom. Uh, you cannot force anybody to do anything. All what I can tell you as someone who has walked out, it is worth it. And, and, and the summary I have is that the taste of freedom, of freedom, it is so delicious that even though the journey for it is hard, it's the taste of it makes it worth it. It is worth it to walk that hard journey to arrive to your freedom. It is so powerful to hear it from someone who has lived it, who mm. has lived walking out of that fear and has continued to support so many women across the world in the most fearful, life-threateningly fearful situations to, to find their freedom. And... On that journey, the same way you've supported so many and in belief of the philosophy of Ubuntu and interconnectedness and the, philosophy, the African proverb of going far together, who have been your guides, your support in this and taking these leaps of faith that you have throughout your journey? I believe in having support system around you. And the supports are usually different people, um, obviously. And they play different roles in different aspects of my life. Uh, but I believe in shaping a support team around you all the time. Um, but usually the support comes from individuals 
whether they are very close to me or far, who see me, see me. Um, because I'm a dreamer and I have lots of ideas and dreams and ambitions and all of that. And every idea came, I came back, uh, up with, there are those who laugh at it and say it's impossible. And then there's who, who look at it and say, yes, you can. And those who have believed in it, you know, I was 23 years old immigrant, uh, you know, when I started Women for Women International, had no job, no family, no money, no nothing. And it was my second uh, husband um, who said, I'll, I'll support you. This is important. And had he not believed in me and supported me and worked to help me do it, I would not have become uh, the you know, founder and CEO of Women for Women International that helped, you know, nearly half a million women. And, and that seeing happens from different people. And honestly, uh, some of them are well-known figures uh, like Alice Walker, um, like Oprah Winfrey. Um, and some of them are unknown figures um, like my nutritionist or my therapist, <laughs> you know, um, and it doesn't matter. You know, it's sort of, it's, it's, Every human, I think, the soul longs to be seen. And um, we, and, and that's why when, we, when someone sees us, we get touched. Um, and that's why, you know, the dangers of attributing being seen is only to romantic love. The truth is you can be seen in non-romantic love and friendships and collegial relationships and people, strangers, you know. And, um, and sometimes you need to see your soul. Um, yourself um, because souls are usually beautiful um, and we need to see them and to appreciate our own beauty and I don't mean physical but also inner beauty um, so yes I believe in having teams and these teams usually they don't know each other and sometimes they know each other sometimes they are professional people they're sometimes they are friends but my theory in life is that if three people tell me the same thing or give me the same observation um, then I need to take it seriously. If they are, uh, especially if they don't know each other. <laughs> if it's not, you know, then maybe I'll look at it with caveats. But three is a rule for me. And so, um, and sometimes that third person is my, it's like sometimes it's um, legitimizing my intuition about it, you know. So, yeah, I don't know if I answered you, but, you know, I'm, I'm turning 51 next week. And, as a feminist, um, I have come a long way from sort of, you know, using my leadership uh, as an opposition to uh, in the injustice um, and then in reaction into in injustice to now using my leadership, of course, to express, you have to speak. I mean, we have to speak whenever we see something wrong. Otherwise, we legitimize it. Um, uh, and then otherwise, we corrupt our values if, if you are silent about something wrong. But it has changed to appreciating the aspect of myself and of women generally, and sometimes even of men, um, that is... Uh, that is... Um, that is not uh, connected to data and facts and figures. So my, I came to respect my instinct. 
um, as a data point. I came to respect people instincts, people feelings. I, I came to learn how we connect with each other in ways other than the facts and the figures and the spreadsheets. And how do we learn to each with each other in, in other ways that are more feminine and more intuitive ways. Um, and we have to put values on these. Uh, that most certainly answers my question and I believe so strongly in the power of the intuition and also in what I call omens and I think I'm hearing you talk about the three messages and voices when you hear that it's like okay this is important we're at the 30 minute mark I'm conscious of your time so I'm going to wrap two questions in one and it's what keeps you going and within that what lessons can you share with everyone listening to you right now that is a culmination of your life lessons or really any nuggets of wisdom you'd like to leave us with? Um, what keeps me going change also from before to now. Um, before, what kept me uh, going is anger, anger at injustice. Um, and now what's keeping me going is love. Um, and that's the truth. Um, love um, that I could see a way forward that includes all of us. Um, and I really, really, really believe um, in my love for God that um, we are all equal in front of God and we are all one in front of God. Um, and so that's why I transformed my, um, my drive from anger to love. It's the same think is still speaking about injustice it's still covering uh, the voices of the marginalized it is still all of it but it just transformed from anger to love thank you Zainab I'm hearing that as your wisdom that you'd like to leave us with is that anchoring in love anchoring in the relationship with something bigger than yourself Am I hearing you correctly? Um, yeah, thank you. Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel, especially all of us right now, but I, my call is for women particularly because um, um, it's time for us to, but all of us really, it's time for us to find our voice um, that comes from our core values, not in reaction to the past. And because we do need new value systems for our world that the old values have helped us carry us until today. And they also, some of them have received, has arrived to a plateau. Um, we need new values um, where perhaps accumulation of stuff is not the real uh, importance. Perhaps um, how we deal with nature we were wrong uh, in how we deal how we deal with each other of power over and power with is wrong our economic system uh, no longer can sustain us so i don't want to be critical of the past because they helped us arrive today and today is not all bad today is also good um, but we need new values new value systems and to come up with these new values we need to go inward and we need to find the core of our um, we need to hear the language of our heart we need to study the language of our heart. We need to understand it. It's like learning a new language. And I think we, when we do that, um, we, we all will come out believing in the power of healing, 
believing in the power of love and most definitely believing in the power of finding our new voices in a new, um, in a new world, in a new value system. Wow. Thank you, Zainab. I have so many more questions <laughs> and I trust that this time together has already given us so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for this invitation to step into the heart and to learn this language. I think that's a really, really powerful invitation because all that wisdom that has accumulated for centuries with our ancestors, we carry it within ourselves and it's there within. And I thank you for reminding us of that power that we carry. And I thank you for sharing your story with us that we might continue to spotlight the stories that impact and inspire us around the world, weaving Wonderful. together with those of other women. Thank you, Zainab. Maybe a last question. Who are you? I am breath. I am breath. I am someone in gratitude for everything about life, really, very much. I'm a grateful person. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs>